the Lord threw me a curveball this week, and he changed my sermon on me. It's okay. But before I speak this morning, I want to thank and recognize my pastor, Pastor Carl and Dawn. They're with us this morning hanging out. If I ever do something wrong, that's who you call. And I promise he will handle it. But, no, I'm excited they're here this morning. They pastored here. He's, he's kind of like an unofficial official grandfather to me. He was best friends with my grandfather. And he's, he, was, he came here in 91, right? right? So I was in pre-K-4 when he got here. So that's, that's a good minute, I guess. But I'm excited. I have a question for you this morning. Are you ready for more? Okay. Now, I'm just going to warn you. Um, this is not a sermon series that we're starting. This is not a in connection with anything. This is a message that the Lord told me that I was going to preach in the, in the fall. That I just didn't know when. And he told me to preach it this week. And so this is one of the sermons I've preached before um, a few different places. And it always, it always gets me fired up. So if you're not used to fiery preaching, get ready. Because um, it really just gets me excited. Because one of the greatest lies that the, the enemy has ever released over the church is that once you get born again, that's all there is. One of the greatest lies that's ever been given to, to, to the church is that you, you get saved and you're saved from hell and you're saved from sin, but now you just live life and you go to church and you sit in chairs and you maybe throw some money in from time to time and then when you get sick, somebody comes and prays for you, but nothing's really actually going to happen, you know, and, and, and just, just exist until, but heaven's where everything's at. And there's this, it, it's a terrible, terrible teaching because I believe that Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What that tells me is that who he was yesterday or 2,000 years ago is the same person he is today. And the same person he is today is the same person he will be tomorrow and every day that I'm alive. And it also says in Isaiah that, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? So if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, yet he's doing a new thing, what does that mean? That means that of his consistency and of who he is, he's always showing something new. Because we can't comprehend him, so he has to show himself to us in new ways every day. But the, the substance is the same it's always been. And so when I ask you, are you ready for more, what I mean is, are you ready for more of the power of God, more of the Holy Spirit, more of what he provided on the cross in your life. That's what I'm asking. <clears throat> I am not looking to pastor a church of people who are really, really good sitters. There are plenty of churches that have really good sitters. I mean, like, they're really good sitters. Like, they sit, they know when to say amen, they know how to hold the coffee cup right, like, I am not interested in, in pastoring a church full of sitters because Jesus never said, go and sit. He said, go and tell, go and make, go and do things. And so when I say that, I, but I don't want to send somebody out without the Holy, the Holy Ghost. I don't want to send somebody out without what he has for them. And so I'm going to ask you one more time, are you ready for more? All right, I want you to open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47, pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're our champion. I thank you, God, that you provided everything we need on the cross. I thank you, Father, that you're looking to find vessels who are willing to just let go and give you everything they have to be a, 
an ambassador of the kingdom in the earth. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let me speak this word with truth, not of my own opinion, but all of yours. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. I'm doing a renovation at my house right now. And between the renovation at the house and the renovation in the kitchen, I get sheetrock dust in my throat every now and then. And so I'm coughing a little bit. It ain't the Rona. I'm just letting you know. It's the sheetrock. But I might cough a little. I promise I'm okay. But anywho, Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. This is going to not make a whole lot of sense at first. I'll have to break it down to you. Just follow me. Door of the temple, and there was water flowing under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced the east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through water that came up to my ankles. And then he measured 1,000 and brought me waters. The waters came up to my knees. And then he measured 1,000 and came and brought me through. And the water came to my waist. And again, he measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim. A river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank. We're going to stop right there. I'll come back to that towards the end. The Bible uses symbolism all throughout it. it uses different symbolisms different typology things like that but one of the most popular symbolisms or examples that god uses all the time is water or rivers you see if you go to bible gateway and type in river you're going to have all kind of search options come up because it's used so many times some of it is yes geographical but also a lot of it is rec representing something else and so a lot of times what it represents is it represents the spirit of god it represents the presence of god it represents the life of God. It represents who he is. And so this morning, it's going to represent him. It's going to represent our relationship with Jesus. The more of the river we have, the more of him in our lives. That's what I'm what we're using it as representing it this morning. And so before we get into it, I have to show you something before we can really get into it. I need you to go back to verse 1. And it says, though he brought me back to the door of the temple and under there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. What's happening here is the prophet Ezekiel is getting a vision, and in this vision, he's getting a tour of the temple or the throne room of God. And the man giving him a tour, whether it's Jesus, I don't necessarily believe it is because it will be written differently, but whoever it is, is giving him a tour. And it starts in chapter 40. So we are six chapters into this vision. And here in chapter 7, it says, then he took me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing through under the door. Why is that significant? Because in John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus says, I am the door. And then if you keep reading here in Ezekiel, it says that under the door was flowing this water, and this is the water that becomes the river we're talking about. What I'm saying to you this morning is that it is impossible to have more of God in your life if you don't first go through the door, which is Jesus. You cannot have, hear me out. I see this all over the place. You cannot have your blessed life now without the cross. You cannot have blessing. You cannot have favor. You cannot have healing. You cannot have the things that are provided through the cross without first going through the cross. I see a lot of people who, when you get around them or you, you get close to them, they, their lives don't line up with the word of God, but because they make good money, they call themselves blessed. No, 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 no. I am blessed regardless of my condition because my sins are forgiven. 
I am blessed regardless of my situation because my sins are forgiven. The cross, the door, Jesus is what makes me blessed, not anything else. Anything else he gives me is extra, it's lanyap, and it's, it's great, I'll enjoy it. But it's not at all in any way, shape, or form what makes me blessed or not. So here Ezekiel says, before we can go into anything else about this river and about this vision, I got to remind you that first you have to go back to the door. You have to go back to Jesus. So from Jesus, from the door, flows this river. And look what he says. He says that he starts measuring out this distance. He begins to walk with this, this measuring line. And before I get into that, I just want to make sure we, we get this, that Jesus is the door. And attending church doesn't get you in this river. Attending life group doesn't get you in this river. None of the, none of the church or religious things that we do, the actions, the man-made things that we do, get us in to this life that comes from the Holy Spirit. None of that happens. It's only through the cross. That's it. Like, I will, I will say that on repeat for the next 60 years of my life, if God lets me. I'll be 94 years old standing up, however they let me, sitting down, whatever. It's only through the cross. It's only through Jesus. There's nothing else you can do. There's nowhere else you can go. I don't care if it's a broken record. It's the only record I'll ever play. It's through the cross. Now, this man comes out in Ezekiel's volume, and the man takes a measuring line, and he begins to measure off a 1,000 cubits. Now, this is, oh, I love preaching this. Y'all have no idea. He measures off a 1,000 cubits. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a useless measurement to me. Right? I'm already bad at construction. So if you give me something to build in cubits, we are all in trouble. But it's okay. I went and did the research for you. A thousand cubits is around 500 yards. Or to give you a little more context, five football fields. So five Shelmet High football fields is what this man is marking off, right? And so what he's saying is he measures off a distance of five football fields and he led me through water that was ankle deep. And then five more football fields, it was knee deep. And five more football fields, it was waist deep. And then five more football fields, it was too deep for me to stand. I had to swim through it. One of the first things I need you to understand, we're going to look at these measurements, and they're going to represent our growth in Christ. They're going to represent how much more of him we have. But one thing you have to understand is, is I don't, I'm not a fast person. I don't know who the fastest person in the room is. Speed-wise, it is not me. We don't even have to try. But whoever that person is, it doesn't matter how fast you are, you cannot run five football fields quickly. Like, it is going to take a little bit of time for anyone to run five football fields. Here's what I want you to understand. Regardless of where you are in your Christian walk, it is always a process that he leads you through. There's never a point, there's nothing like skipping steps in Christianity. I, I, I love it. I heard a guy say this one time, and if, you might not get this unless you play video games, but if you ever played Super Mario World, right, when, when, on, on, on Super Nintendo, if you played early in the game, you, played, you had the little turtles, right? And all you had to do was jump on a turtle's head and a turtle would disappear. But if you went from like level two, world two to world seven, if you just show up in world seven, all of a sudden them turtles have wings and they throw hatchets. But if you go to three, four, five, and six, you see... The, the, the evolution of the enemy, and he grows and he gets bigger. But if you try skipping steps, you'll find yourself in a battle. You're not ready to fight yet. And so what, what the Lord does is he brings us through a process. He takes us through this, this growth process. But here's the deal. 
Although we can't do it fast, we do determine the speed. We can't do it fast. It's not we can skip it, but we do determine the speed. And so we're going to go through this this morning. It says he marks off five football fields and it's ankle deep. I want you to imagine here that this analogy works like the beach, but I want you to pretend this is the beach of a river, okay? You've all been to the beach. A bunch of went to the beach this summer. I went to the beach this summer. When you are in ankle deep water, that's like the first step when you first get in, right? That's where you can run around. That's where the kids like to play. You know what I mean? Like, like the kids, when a kid goes to the beach and they run from the waves, they're running from like this big of a wave. They're like, ah, and they run away and then they run back out. They never go any deeper. Why? Because the kid is afraid of the big water, so they want to stay in the shallow water because they're in total control. Right? They don't have anything to worry about. See, when we, when we first give our lives to the Lord, the first place we come to is ankle-deep water. You know why it's, why it's important to get in ankle-deep water? Because that cool ankle-deep water feels a whole lot better than the hot sand, doesn't it? So the moment I give my life to Jesus, there's a drastic shift from how I was living and what I was experiencing to what I'm now experiencing. Even though it's ankle deep, it's still different. But I have all the mobility. I can play. I can kick. I can do all these different things. I can lay down if I want. I have all the options. The, 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 the current or the tide has no influence over me whatsoever here. I'm in the water. But the current and tide, it has nothing to do with where I go, what I, what I do, because it's so little. It's just ministry. But I can play and I can kick. Life can't live here, right? Like there's no fish that live in ankle deep water because it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And I can have whatever I want in my hands. I can bring a boom box. I can bring an ice chest. I can bring a TV if I wanted to. I, I mean, we could do whatever we want in ankle deep water because we're in total control. What this is, is this is somebody who, who, who attends church. They get going. They, they first get their feet in the door, literally. But they haven't really surrendered yet, or they just haven't made it through the process of surrendering anything yet. So they're ankle-deep water. But see, the challenge of staying in ankle-deep water is it's very easy to get distracted by things on the beach. It's very easy to get distracted by things on the beach. What I mean by that is, is you could be in ankle-deep water playing with your kids, but if somebody says, hey, come help me open this big pop-up tent. Okay, you... No issue. You just walk right over to it because the water, although it's vastly different, the temperature of the water feels vastly different than it does without water. There's a clear difference between the two. It's very easy to go back and forth. That's why we see people who come to church, they kind of get their feet wet a little, but they don't actually want to go any further because they want to remain in control. They want to be able to dictate how much Jesus they have. But thank God it's a process. And he says that this ankle deep water, there's five football fields of it, but we're going to keep moving. And he leads us further. He leads us to knee deep water. Now, when you get to knee deep water, we can start feeling the tide. We can start feeling the current, but it still really can't control us, right? Like it still can't do much to hurt us or to lead us any kind of way or things like that. But see, here's what happens in knee deep water. When you get to knee deep water, now you've been attending. Now you've been, have some consistency. You've been trying to read your Bible. You've been trying to pray. You've been, you've been making progress. See, when you get in knee-deep water, what starts to happen is you start to get hit by waves that are bigger than knee-deep water. So you begin to have experiences that are further beyond what you're used to. You're getting wet in places that you weren't necessarily planning on getting wet in. Right? Like, that's like all the moms on the beach. Right? Like, because everybody knows when, when a family goes to the beach, mom does not plan on getting in the water. 
dad is going to get in the water. Mom's going to stay on the beach, and she's probably going to tan, and she's going to do whatever she's going to do. But dad's the one getting in the water. But occasionally, the kids are like, Mommy, come in the beach with us. And so you go on the beach, and mom's like holding up the little dress or whatever, and she gets in. I don't want to go any deeper. Why? Because she knows in knee-deep water, there could be a wave that comes that gets me wet all the way up to here. These are experiences when we get in the presence of God. Maybe, you know what, I'm going to go to prayer this week. I don't really go to prayer, but I'm going to go to prayer. You show up to prayer, and all of a sudden, you get hit with, whoa. That was serious. The power of God was strong. I, I've never felt that. Before. That was different than, than a Sunday. That was different. Than, you got Boom, you got hit with something you weren't used to. But here's the deal. Nobody, even when you go to the beach, nobody stays in the knee-deep area. Nobody. The only thing knee-deep is good for is coming out or going in. Nobody hangs out in knee-deep water, ever. If you do, you're the first person I have ever met that hangs out in that particular area of the water. They progressed a little more, but they don't stay here. And so this is the point, and I feel like a lot of you are here this morning. You're at this place where you know there's more. You know there's something different. You know that God is leading you and pulling you further out, but you can still hear the party on the beach. You can still hear the music. You can still see the fun. You can still see the stuff that God brought you out of. It's still pretty close, and you can get back to it pretty easily. And so you're torn back and forth in this spot, and you're not sure if you want to go further because you know you're going to get wet. You know you're going to get into an area where the current has more control over you, but you're not sure if you want to let go yet. And so we stay in this position where we want Jesus as Savior but not as Lord. But see, there's only one problem with that. It's Philippians chapter 2 says that he was given a name above every other name, and at that name every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. doesn't say we're going to say that he's Savior or healer or deliverer or provider. It says Lord. Lord means he owns it all. And so at this position here in knee-deep water, it's where we're, we're wrestling with, I'm thankful that you saved me from where I was, but I'm not ready to give up who I am to go where you want me to go. And there's so many people who get stuck right here. But like I said, nobody stays here. Because at knee-deep water, you're going to get wet. You're going to get hit with waves. Or a big wave comes in and it drops lower. It goes back down to ankle deep. You've been in the beach. You know what happens. And so what, what goes on is people will eventually just go back to the beach. If we stay in knee-deep water long enough, we'll just go back to the beach. Because nobody stays in knee-deep water. I have watched so many people over the years. I've watched so many people come, and they, they, they sprint through ankle-deep water because the beach was so bad. The world was so bad. Their past was so They sprint through ankle-deep water. But the moment the water starts getting around their knees and they start getting splashed up here, or like on their heart, you know, like the things that really matter, not just the, the habits, but the, the things of the heart, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the roots of all things, the racism, the, the prejudice, the, the unforgiveness, the, the, the things that are real deep. Once we start getting wet up in this, oh, oh I, I ain't ready for all that. I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying not to go to hell. I wasn't trying to become a different person. I, 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 I mean, come on, Pastor Chris. I just don't want to go to hell. You mean I got I to stop doing this too? I don't, I don't understand. The man was leading him. Hear me out. Jesus is leading you. He's leading you. But you get to determine the speed. People sprint through ankle deep, but they get to knee deep, and that's where decisions happen. Because here's the bottom line, especially us Americans, we love our freedom. Right? 
If you don't think so, you have apparently not been on Facebook. We love our freedom. The problem is we bring our love for freedom into the church, into a relationship with Jesus, and we start negotiating with him like we elected him or something. Like, like, like we elected Jesus. We didn't elect Jesus. We didn't vote one day and say you get to be in charge. He's been in charge since before any of this was here. And he's going to be in charge long after it's gone. We don't get a vote. We don't get a say. We can't write our, our congressional angel and complain about the decisions being made from the throne. We cannot do that. I'm sweating. I'm having fun. And all we can do, all we can do is say yes or no to what Jesus is doing. And what I'm telling you is this, is there will never be a point in time, listen to my notes, there's never a point in time where he leads you backwards. So if you ever start looking like the person you used to be, you're not following the leading of the master anymore. If you start looking like the person he sets you free from, then you are no longer following him, you're following yourself or somebody else. See, this knee-deep spot, this is the spot where, <clears throat> where decisions are made. Where, you know what, no, I, I'm, I'm going to surrender, I, I, I'm going to go further. I'm going to let him fool with the things in my heart. I'm going to let him fool with the things I don't really want to fool with. I, I don't really want to talk about my ex-husband. I don't want to talk about my ex-wife. I don't want to talk about how my father molested me, and I can't, I can't trust a man ever again. I don't want to talk about that, but you're leading me, Jesus. I'm going to trust you. So we move from knee-deep. It's five football fields, so it takes a minute. It takes a minute. Then we get to my favorite depth, waist deep. Now, this table is going to represent waist deep water. I wish it was a little bit higher, but this table represents waist deep. So here's the deal. If, you've ever, if you ever go to the beach with me, I have two places I like to be that are not inside because I don't like the heat. You know this. So, oh, thank you, buddy. So either I like to be in my extremely bougie beach chair with the springs that I can rock back and forth in. Y'all, it is the best Father's Day present I have ever. It's incredible. If you don't have a reclining beach chair, do what you got to do and get yourself one. It's incredible. Anyway, so I got my beach chair. I either want to be on the beach in my reclining beach chair, or I want to be in waist-deep water. I love me some waist-deep water. Because, see, when you're in waist-deep water, you got all kinds of options. I can play football, I can play frisbee, or I can do this. And now I'm in just deep water, and I can still have my Dr. Pepper in my hand and my water, whatever it is, and I can have conversations like this. See, waist-deep water is the last place that hypocrisy is an option. Because, you see, this is how deep the water actually is. But if I want... I can make it look like it's this deep. So this is what happens. We move through knee-deep water, and we're progressing. God's leading us. But then he starts getting to the areas of our heart, the stuff we don't want to get rid of. You know, people always think that I'm, I'm, I'm hard on certain habits. So I've, heard, I've heard somebody say the other day, Pastor Chris, you always use drinking as one of your examples as what we're not supposed to do. Well, yes, because the Bible says we're not supposed to get drunk. Like, it's very obvious. That's, that is a sin. But why do you constantly use drinking as an example? What I use it for is drinking is simply a perverted, a perverted option of what the peace of God provides. So the reason why I come against it so much is because drinking isn't the problem. The reason you're drinking is. So this is what happens. 
when the water starts getting up around our heart and we start really dealing with things, it starts to hurt a little bit. It, start, it starts to sting. It starts to burn. It starts to hurt because now I'm dealing with stuff that I don't talk about. I don't put on Facebook. I don't talk to nobody about because this, this stuff I'm ashamed of. This is stuff I don't want. This is stuff I did when I was in college. I don't want nobody to know about. So this is what we end up doing. We end up going to church and we walk into church. Praise God. You are my champion. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm neck deep. I'm swimming. When I lift my voice. Whoa, hallelujah. Pastor Chris, great message. Tuesday at the office. What you did? I stopped by church for a minute this weekend, but, you know, I, I got out quick because, you know, I wanted to go cut my grass or whatever. Life group on Tuesday night. Would you believe what God showed me this week in my word? Thursday, ladies' night, we in the bar. You going to church Sunday? I don't know. I might. Sunday morning. Waymaker, miracle worker. And we, get, we go back up again. See, we can fake it. Because here we can still control where the water is. Although it's a lot harder to move right here. Like you ain't running. You ever try to run in waist deep water? It's the most ridiculous looking thing an adult can probably ever do. Right? Running in waist deep water. You, we all, I don't care how great of an athlete you are, you look foolish running in waist deep water. Like you just look ridiculous. I wonder what heaven thinks. When there are Christians who live their lives in waist-deep water so that they can look one way to their people in the world, at work, at home, but look like a totally different person at life group or a totally different person on Sunday church. This is, this is my favorite because there's this thing called discernment that the Holy Spirit will give you, and then there's this thing called Facebook which Mark Zuckerberg gave us. Both are handy when it comes to ministry. The reason why I say this is because if, if discernment doesn't show it to me, Facebook usually will. And so people come to group and they're talking about how great God has been in their life and how powerful he's been moving. They're trying to make me think they like this. But Friday night, they was like this. They, 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 wanted me to, they wanted me to think that they were really in love with Jesus. They wanted their life group leader to think. They wanted their church friends to think. They wanted their spouse to think. Here's the problem. Waste deep water, that's where people live their lives for the approval of other Christians. And if there's anything that God wants to break some of you of, it's the opinion of other Christians. Hear me out. I do not have a say whether you get in heaven or not, even though some of you probably wish I did. I'd just say some kind of special prayer and you're in. That's not how it works. Pastor Chris, why, why, why does this matter? Yes, it's my job to hold the guys in my life group accountable. But Jesus says in Matthew, fear not the man who can harm the body. Fear the man who can harm the body and the soul. We got so many people who live in waste deep water because they would rather appease the pastor and appease the world than be right with God. And we've come to this place in the American church where we don't actually, 
We don't actually have to be filled with the Spirit and live filled with the Spirit as long as we look like it. This is waist-deep water. And see, this is the part that it's so comfortable because you really can, right? You, you live in life and you get a bad diagnosis and you need more Jesus. Well, you could just drop down. It's hard to bend because of my knee. Drop down and get back and you know, make it look like you're really getting in the presence of God. But the moment the phone rings and the fellows want to go out, oh, I'm coming. Hold on. I'll be there real quick. I mean to tell you this morning, some of you are hanging out right there. And if you only knew, if you only knew what was just a little bit further out, if you only knew what was just on the other side of your insecurities, just on the other side of your lack of confidence, just on the other side of your fear, just on the other side of the things that keep you back from really going after what, this is, you want to know what the truth is? I think the main reason people, there are two main reasons people don't leave waste deep water. Number one, they're fearful of what they're going to lose because this is also the last place you can bring anything in your hands. You, if you go past waste deep water, when you get to where you got to start swimming, you can't swim with a radio in your hand. You can't swim with a drink in your hand. You can't swim with a football in your hand. You need your hands to swim. And it says that the water was too deep, he had to swim. So, so what ends up happening here is we reach this place where, where people are afraid to move forward because they don't want to give up the last bit of their life on the beach. Or they don't trust what's on the other end. They don't trust it. Well, Pastor Chris, if I leave waist-deep water, what if God never brings me a wife? What, what, what if God, never, what if God never, never fixes my relationship? What if God never does this? What if God never does that? What if, what if, what if this never happens? Or, or what if this does happen? We, we, we struggle because at waist-deep water, we can still go back to the beach. It's going to take us a minute. And it's the walk of shame because we're walking past everybody who we just ran with to get closer to Jesus, and they see us going backwards. You know what's funny? Is everybody who leaves church thinks the Christians are judging them? No, we're just trying to keep them from going back to the beach. You don't want to go that way. You don't want to go that way. You just made so much progress. Why are you walking backwards? But we're afraid. We don't trust him. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Then we reach the last spot, which is too deep. It literally says it was too deep for me to swim across. I mean, for me to stand in. I had to swim. See, when you get, you ever been out there before? You ever went out in a beach or you've been out in the water where, where you were no longer in control of anything but your own buoyancy? That current took you where you wanted it, where it wanted to take you. I got caught, I got kind of caught in a rip current once. Thank God I was able to grab onto the, the sandbar and stay up. But I never had any option. That current, boom, it was taking me. See, Romans 8 says that they that are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. 
I'm going to make a very controversial, it's not really controversial, it's just not a pleasant statement. Can I make an unpleasant but true statement? Okay. All kind of people say that we are all God's children. We are not all God's children. Romans 8 says, for they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I did not write that. That is not my theological opinion. That is Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I think it's 15. That is it. So if I want to be a son of God, I have to be led by the Spirit of God. If I want to be led by the Spirit of God, I can't be in control any longer. And no one wants to give up control. But let me tell you something. Moses didn't have any control. Anytime he tried to take it back, he did something stupid. David, David never had any control. David killed Goliath. He wasn't in control when he killed Goliath. He was in control when he slept with Bathsheba. We can tell the difference. That's why when we see ministers that fall and they crash and they make dumb mistakes, they took control back. No, but too deep is when I'm no longer in control. See, when I'm no longer in control, then he's leading me. He's guiding me. He's deciding where I work. He's deciding where I live. He's deciding who I hang out with. He's deciding every, where I send my kids to school. He's deciding how I act and live every single day of my life. He's deciding, but here's the best part. I know that he has plans for me, and there are plans not to harm me and to give me a hope in the future. And, and no weapon that's formed against me shall be able to prosper. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, for I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Why do all of these things matter? Because I'm in him. And if I'm in him and he's leading me, it doesn't matter where he leads me as long as he's there. Pastor Chris, what if I get cancer? As long as I've got Jesus, I'll take cancer. What if I get this? I'll take it. What, what about this? I'll, as long as I've got Jesus, I will take it. But I don't want an ingrown toenail without him. I don't want to bump into any, I don't want to have any situation in my life without him. I would rather the inconvenience of not having control over my own life than the serious problem of trying to live this life without Jesus. And so what he says is it's too deep. And we get to this part in our lives where if we really want to be who God has called us to be, we got to leave some stuff behind. We've just got to leave some stuff behind. And, the, and if you remember, I've told you this before, Christianity is an individual relationship with Jesus. You could, one could make, for the sake of semantics, Christianity is an individual religion. It's the only religion that is individually based where we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the God we worship. And so what ends up happening here is we have to realize that there are going to be things that you have to give up that I don't, or things that I'm going to give up that you don't. But it shouldn't matter if my eyes are on Jesus. We get mixed up when I start fussing about stuff you can do that I can't. I had somebody ask me one time, Pastor Chris, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I said, St. Bernard, Louisiana. They said, you can't mean that. I said, I absolutely do. And they said, why? I said, because God called me here. And I want to be where God's called me. Sure, waking up on the beach of Destin, Florida would be great. Waking up where I went for Oregon before I fell down the mountain. Waking up every morning, that would be great. I drank coffee and watched whales. Like, that was pretty cool. That would be fantastic. But I don't want to wake up and drink great coffee and watch great whales and have a great family if I don't have Jesus. 
So I will live in the greatest place on the planet, the promised land, St. Bernard Parish. Why? Because wherever God calls me is where I'm going to be. Because wherever he's called me is where he's going to provide for me. It's where he's going to protect me. It's where he's going to bless me. It's where he's going to empower me. And it's where he's going to do the most through my insignificant, can't do nothing else on my own life. It's right where he wants me. That's too deep. That you, can't, you can't stand there. You, that's swimming area right there. You're no longer in control. And that's hard to do. Oh, that's hard to give up control. But I want to show you one more thing. Two more things, sorry. I'll be quick. I think I'm preaching long, sorry. We don't naturally belong at this depth. Like, have you ever been out in, on, in the water and you realized that you were a lot further out than you thought you were? You ever did that? So I went to Jamaica in 2013, and I was fascinated by how far I could see under the water. So I went and bought a pair of goggles that were probably $9.99 in America. They were $34 in Jamaica. But I was determined that I was going to go get these goggles, and I wanted to go see what I was dealing with. And so I get these goggles, and I start swimming. And I, start, I noticed that the, the bottom of the, the, the floor of the sea there had rocks, but there were patches of sand. And so what I started doing was I started swimming from one sand patch to the next because I just, I was blown away. I had a little fish. Like, I looked like I was swimming in Finding Nemo. Like, there was all the little fish everywhere, and I was swimming. It was fantastic. And so I swam a little further. I swam a little further. Well, then I saw, I was, and I was underwater, and I saw this other one. I'm like, oh, I'm going. I'm going for this one. So I swam out there. But on my way out there, I realized all of a sudden there's no more little fish. The fish are getting bigger and they're getting fewer. And then I'm like, okay, it's, I'm still distracted by how pretty this is. I get out and I get right over the little, the little patch of sand and I now realize that I can't stand up here. So I go down to the sand and I, I bounce up, right? Well, I bounce, there's like a, a fish. Wasn't a shark, but it was a fish. Like, I thought I knew what fish were. It, this was a fish. And he, he's, I'm like, oh, he, they, I know why the little ones ain't out here, because he's out here. So I bounce up, and I get to, the, get to the top. I am in, so you know when you go to those all-inclusive resorts, they got the little boats that you can rent and all this. I'm in the boat plane. I swam so far, I got them little Hobie sailboats, boom, flying past my head, I'm like, oh, I do not belong here. I do not belong here on my own. But it was so amazing. See, if, if there's places that we don't belong on our own, but when we go with him, oh, they're amazing. They're so amazing. I want to show you one more thing. He takes this, he takes this river and he leads it out. And he measures it off. And we're going deeper and deeper and more and more and more. But don't you know that every river flows somewhere? Every river flows. Every river has a destination. It flows somewhere. Let me show you where this one flows to. Go to verse 8. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. If you research what sea it's talking about, it's talking about the Dead Sea. So what it's saying is, is that this river, let's keep going, verse 9. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be very great multitude of fish, 
because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. This river starts at the cross. Y'all got to catch this. It starts at the cross. It starts at the altar. It starts with Jesus. And it takes us through a process of five football fields of ankle-deep water, five football fields of knee-deep water, five football fields of waist-deep water. Then it gets us to five football fields of I can't stand up, I got to swim deep water. But guess where it's taking us to? It's taking the life that we have. It's trying to get us to go deeper and deeper and more and more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more because it's taking us to the Dead Sea. It's taking us to where the dead is. It's taking us to where people who don't know Jesus, they're dead spiritually. That's where it's taking us. Hear me out. God doesn't do anything for us just for us. Everything he does in you is so that he could use it to do something through you. That's why it matters that we don't stay in waist-deep water because we confuse people. When God does something incredible in our lives, but we're still living like the life he did something incredible to fix. When he does something amazing on the inside of us, we have to make sure that we're living our lives to a point that we don't mess up or disqualify or discredit or put a blemish on the work that he did. Because there are people who are in the Dead Sea who need to go to the door, but they're not going to go to the door if they don't see that it's worth it. And how are they going to see if it's worth it if nobody ever tells them? How are they ever going to know that it's worth it if they don't look at somebody and say, I knew that person. I knew who they were. They were lost. They were blind. They were drug addicts. They were alcoholics. They were cheating on their spouses. They were doing all these different things. And then something happened. They went to church. They met Jesus. And now everything is different. And if it's different for you, it could be different for me. I'm sorry. We do not need a new president. We don't need new politicians. We don't need anything new. The solution has been the same for the past 2,000 years. We've been the ones that's complicated it. You want to fix racism? You want to fix poverty? You want to fix drug addiction? It's Jesus every single time. It's always been Jesus, and it's always going to be Jesus. And what he wants you and I to do is to get so full of him, is to go so deep in him, is to have so much of him that when you make the late night run to the store to get toilet paper because you forgot to get it from the grocery and you're in your pajamas and you hope you don't run into anybody you know, that trip, that's the one I'm talking about. And you go walk up into Walgreens because it's the only place still open and you're hoping nobody's there. Yet you see that person you went to high school with and because you follow them on Facebook, you know they're going through hell right now. God predestined that moment for your testimony and your story so that you could be the one that say hey you're in the dead waters God's brought me to you I've got living water on the inside of me let me take you to the door oh. are you ready for more are you ready for more <laughs>